Would you please turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21? Revelation chapter 21. While you're turning there, we're concluding our series, Sticks and Stones, today. Now, I want to talk to you about the importance of overcoming. The importance of overcoming. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 21, verse 7, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. I want to read it again. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Father, would you take just the next few moments, and our hearts have been tenderized by your Holy Spirit through a beautiful worship experience. Now, God, plant the seed of the Word of God deep into the soil of our hearts. And, Lord, would you speak to us through your Word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, Now, if you would, please turn your Bibles to the book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 4. And we're going to be hanging out talking about a crazy, amazing story uh, through the lens of overcoming and what it takes to overcome because we want to overcome every single obstacle we want to overcome in this life. If you're with me, can you say amen? All right. I'd like to direct your attention to uh, Joshua chapter 4, and I'd like to begin reading in verse 19. Joshua chapter 4, beginning in verse 19. The Bible says now, The people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day in the first month, and they camped in Gilgal. Remember that, Gilgal, which is on the east border of Jericho. Remember Jericho. And these 12 stones, again, I want to talk to you today about sticks and stones. And these 12 stones, which they took out of the Jordan, they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters from the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over. Verse 24 that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord, your God, forever. I want to talk to you through the lens of sticks and stones, but through the power and the importance of overcoming. I have two points, but before you get excited, you guys know I can can milk two points and make them seem like four. Don't shout me down. But I want to talk to you two points. Number one, to overcome in life, would you write this down? You must put away the flesh. It's absolutely imperative that we put away the flesh, that we would crucify the flesh, because if you don't do that, you're not going to overcome in life. The Bible says in verse 19, now the people came up from the Jordan in the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal. Why is Gilgal important for the people of God to overcome? Well, I'll tell you why, because they were circumcised in Gilgal. We read about that in Joshua chapter 5. Look at verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again a second time. It, is, it represents cutting away 
the flesh. It represents cutting away the things that are keeping you from overcoming in your walk with God and keeping you from fulfilling the destiny that Christ died for you to live in. Now, it's very interesting that the Apostle Paul, under the influence and anointing of the Holy Spirit, in Romans chapter uh, 2, verse 28-29, he, he writes that it's not just the outward, but more importantly, it's about the inward. When he says, for he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. Listen closely. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart. Again, circumcision, it literally represents cutting away the flesh. So if you would keep your place in Joshua and go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Five, And I want to read some just crazy powerful verses. Beginning in verse 16, the Apostle Paul writes, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. I mean, recognize it is vital, vitally important that we walk in the Spirit. Can you say amen? So, so he goes on, listen to this. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are obvious. And he begins naming the some of, anyway, the works of the flesh. Listen to these. Which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, verse 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Can you see the importance of cutting away the flesh? He says, again, I want to read it. He said, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Listen closely. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So listen, if we are going to overcome in life, it is essential that you and I get this truth and this nugget, and that is this, that we are to cut away the flesh, those old passions, those old carnal natures that every now and then will rise up within us. I don't know about you, but I still deal with the flesh. Anyone else? I think I deal with Monty more than I deal with the devil. But listen, if I'm going to overcome in life, just like Gilgal, it was so important in the life of the people of God that that there was a cutting away of the flesh. If I'm going to overcome in life, I've got to be true to the Word of God. I've got to walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. I I said this in the first service, that the most uh, uh, unfulfilled, unhappy people on the planet are backslidden Christians. 
You know, back in the day, the old party scene, you know, you thought you were all that. It was cool. Then you, get, then you get saved, and God washes you and cleans you up from the inside out. But every now and then, I've known some people that will just wander away, and they're in a backslidden, and they try to belly up at the bar. Let me recognize, once you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, you can't belly up to the bar and find contentment. Can you say amen? Uh, so, so, so it represents the cutting away of the flesh. Now listen to this. I believe that lean on your flesh that you will reap what the flesh can produce. But if you lean on God, you will reap what God can produce. And how many recognize God can produce so much more in our lives than us on our own? I believe that fervently. The level of your surrender and obedience is the level, it is literally commensurate with the freedom and the blessings of God that we walk in. It is our level of surrender and obedience. It is commensurate to the level of freedom and overcoming that we walk in in life. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 9, it says, Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he reap. If he sows to his flesh, he'll of the flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to his spirit, he'll of the spirit reap everlasting life. I don't know about you, but I don't want to reap corruption. I want to reap everlasting life. If that's you, can you say good amen? So Gilgal, very interesting, they camped at Gilgal. Gilgal represented cutting away the flesh. So begs a couple of questions. What needs to be cut out of your life today? What is it that the Holy Spirit is wanting to convict you? If you would open your heart and say, you know, I look good on the outside, but God, you know what's going on inside of me. I'm going to open my heart. And Holy Spirit, that addiction, that trial, that old life, that, that, that carnal nature that's trying to rise up, I, I want you to sever that. I want you to cut it out of my life. How many recognize God breaks chains? Can you say amen? And I believe God's going to do something significant in your life today. The second uh, point that I have is to overcome. You, you must look through the lens of faith. You've got to look through the eyes of faith. Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 and 20. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Listen closely. And those 12 stones, sticks and stones, those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Now, just a little bit about the walls of Jericho. Jericho was a walled city. It sat on about, uh, about 9 to 10 acres in total. There were about 1,200 people who lived inside the gate, the, the, the walls of Jericho in the city. Do you know that the walls were between uh, 39 and 41 feet tall? They were so wide, they say historians write that they would have chariot races on the tops of the walls. This is not a small, insignificant structure. This is a structure built by man to keep the enemy out. And do you know that also homes were built into the walls? Do you remember the story of Rahab and the scarlet thread that she put out the, the window? How many recognize that scarlet thread was a type and symbol of the blood that would flow from the cross of Calvary? Can you say amen? So just a little bit about Jericho. It was a fortified city, and it was powerful, and it was strong, but it's interesting. The Bible said that they camped in Gilgal. Listen, at Gilgal, the people of God could see the River Jordan and the monument of rocks that had been set up. 
It's out. There are people here. You've got some rocks. You've got some monuments. You've got some times where it looked like it was over, but God stepped in and brought a miracle into your life. How many in the house, you got a stone because of a miracle that represents a stone, a monument that represents a miracle? Let me see your hands all over the house. That, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't aspirin. It was the hand of God. How many recognize miracles flow from the character of Almighty God? And I understand that we live in a day and age where liberal uh, theologians believe that uh, the gifts of the Spirit, the miraculous, ended and died when the early disciples died. But how many recognize we got some monuments in our hand? Our God isn't dead. Our God is alive. And there are miracles that flow from the heart of Almighty God. Can you scream amen? But, but listen, you've got to look through the lens of, of faith. Now, now, the stones, notice with me, they were taken out of the middle of the Jordan River. The middle of the Jordan River. Look at verse 8 and 9. The Bible said, And the children of Israel did so, just as Joshua commanded, and took up 12 stones, 12 stones from, what does your Bible say? The midst. I like to call it the middle, from the, the middle of the Jordan, as the Lord had spoken to, the, uh, spoken rather to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they had lodged and laid them down there. Look at verse 9. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. Interesting. Joshua took 12 stones from the midst, from the middle of the Jordan, and then he built a memorial to the miracle of Almighty God in the middle of the Jordan. Listen, what God has done before, God can do it again. It was God that split the Red Sea for Moses. Now it's God splitting the Jordan River for Joshua. The same God that was with Moses was the same God that was Joshua. And the same God that was with Joshua is the same God that's with us. Can you scream amen? But, but, but notice, it's one thing. It's one thing. To see the miracle manifest, to, to occupy the promised land, and to build a memorial of stones. But it's a whole nother thing to have faith and focus when you're right in the middle of your life and you erect a monument of stones in the middle of your Jordan. What's your Jordan? In the middle of your pain, if you will erect a monument that the God that brought me to it is the God that can bring me through it. It might not look good right now, but I'm going to praise him even if my life is in pain. I'm going to establish and I'm going to put some stones in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my checkbook, in the middle of my parenting, in the middle of my marriage, because the God that was with Moses and Joshua is the God in the middle. He is the God in in the middle. He's not just the God of the promised land. He is. But friends, He is the God that is in the middle of what you're going through in life right now. The Bible said that I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The, that, that He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm just trying to tell you that even though you don't understand everything, you can trust the God because He's with you in the middle. Might not make sense but you can trust the faithfulness of God because he is the God in the middle. Can you say amen? 
I, I, I just love this. In the, in the middle of perhaps their doubts, in the middle of their fears, in the middle of their, their questions, while the waters raged, while, while God with his mighty right arm, he just dried up that Jordan River. And by the way, I learned in Bible college that at this time in the season, the Jordan River was at flood stages. Help me recognize, even though it doesn't look good in the natural, we serve a God who moves in the supernatural. How many got some stones in the house? Can you say amen? I got a lot of stones. I mean, I, I've shared this many times, but when I, when I watched God raise my daughter Bethany from the dead, how many recognize I built a stone in the middle of that tragedy, in the middle of that, oh, dear Jesus. If you've got a rock, if you've got a stone, and you will build a memorial in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your circumstance, in the midst of what you are going through, I'm here to tell you the God that is in the middle is a God that will get you through. Somebody scream amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I want to I keep before us, Christian Faith Center, that we are in the, we're in the middle of an amazing miracle. We're in the middle of an amazing miracle. In 1955, the expression of God beat in this community, and he launched our church in 1955. And in 1955, they were in a, the middle of a miracle. And then God raised up someone that just amazing, a pastor of pastors, Pastor uh, and Sister Bueller. And for 27 years, they pastored this church and for 27 years, they made statements like I just made, that CFC, we're in the middle of a miracle. And I, I remember the story that Pastor Bueller tells, that when they moved to this property, five-and-a-half-acre piece of property, and we're going to build the original sanctuary, which is now the North Sanctuary, there was a lawyer that said, Preacher, if you do that, I will auction off every single thing that you owned. And yet, Pastor Bueller then, he said, Church, we are in the middle of a miracle. I understand. We're probably not big enough. We're not smart enough. We don't have enough resources. But if God speaks, if God leads us to it, he can lead us through it. And aren't you grateful that there was a man of God by the name of Pastor and Sister Bueller who stood strong in the middle of their miracle and God moved powerfully? Can you say amen? And here we are many years. Thirteen years ago, believe it or not, Kelly drew Kel or God drew Kelly and I here. And I look you in the face now and I declare that we are in the middle of a miracle. We are in the middle of the greatest harvest this church has ever experienced in all of its history. How many recognize we are in the power and the might of Almighty God? We're in the middle of a miracle. Uh, we are seeing a move of God. Pastor Dan and, and uh, Lene and, and their team, do you know they took over 100 teenagers to Oroville, California, a trip called Salty. They were building small homes for the fire victims who lost everything in paradise. And they're, they're back on fire for God. How many recognize when teenagers give up a week and go serve? That is powerful. Can you say amen? Do you know our children's ministry? On all of our campuses, experiencing a move of God. Pastor Eddie, on average, leads 20 children to Jesus every Sunday on our main campus alone. We're in the middle of a miracle. Can you scream amen? Um, just a couple other thoughts. Do you know that uh, we are in the middle of 
having more people lead groups, more people in groups than ever in the history of our church. Do you know we have 75 groups, small groups, side doors into relationships where you and I can come and we can sit down and, and we can pour into people and we can have poor people pouring into us. We can know and be known. We can find and develop friendship. We are in the middle of a miracle. If you're not leading a group, next session lead a group. If you're not in a group, join one this week week. We're in the middle of a miracle. Do you know that something, just about the last four months, in the Spirit, I just sense that we're in the middle of a miracle. Do you know we have had more people being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the initial evidence of speaking in other tongues in the last six months than we have probably in the last three years? Come on, can we shout a great big amen? We are in the middle of a miracle. God is taking us deeper into the things of Almighty God. We are seeing people baptized in water and in the Spirit. We're in the middle of a miracle. Financially, we are in the middle of a miracle. How many enjoyed that video that we watched? Can we just give the Lord a great big hand for that? God is touching and moving powerfully. We're in the middle of a miracle, dear ones. Christian Faith center, growing in generosity, local missions, global missions, campus expansion. A year and a half ago, I stood before the membership of Christian Faith Center. And it was at an annual business meeting. And I said, I really feel God wants us to plan a campus in Boise. It's something God put in me about six years ago. And I felt the timing was there. And we went over our finances, and we couldn't pay for our campus in Boise. Do you know we had to grow 200 people just to make our budget in Boise? We couldn't pay for it. And there are too many pastors and churches, they're shekeled, if you will, uh, their vision because they look at resource. I don't know about you, if we look at our people and recognize our God is our greatest resource and people will give division, then lives are changed. Listen, campus expansion. Do you know that we are almost two months old in Boise, Idaho? And we, and, and I look around, we got some empty chairs in this service. We sent 200 people from our main campus. Do you know we're almost two months old there and we are right at 150 people have been born again on our Boise campus. Can you say good amen? Oh, by the way, budget. Before we even started having services in Boise, last, let's see, let me get it right. Last October, November, December, January, February, all five months we met our Boise budget, which is $20,000 a month. Can we just put our hands together for that? You have responded to vision, and you have responded in faith. We're in the greatest season in the life of our church. But listen closely. We've not yet uh, reached our promised land. How many recognize there's more people to, to reach, to win for the glory of God, to, to disciple and get in the culture and the presence of God that God would get in them? Can you say amen? I just want to look you in the face, those of you watching online. You're in the middle of a miracle. It might not seem like it now, but you are in the middle of a miracle. When you can't see God, you need to understand God sees you. Have you ever, one of my, my, my sessions up at the men's thing I did up in Alaska was called The Power of the Pause. The Power of the Pause. There are a lot of you that are wired like me. How many of you, you, you stand in front of a microwave and you freak out because it's too slow? 
Dear, we, we need Jesus, don't we? But there's something powerful in the pause. Jesus had just commissioned his disciples. And they come back to the Lord. They're all fired up. They told him all the miracles that happened, what they had taught. And Jesus says, come aside by yourself for a while. The power in the pause. Have you ever just paused in the midst of your difficulty and just praise God anyway? Have you ever just pray, just paused right in the middle? I mean, it, it might seem like I'm going to drown. I'm, I'm going under. But have you ever just paused and said, Lord, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit confused right now. I'm trying to obey you, and it just seems like the wind, the waves, the, the rivers, the seas. I don't know if I'm going to make it this time. Have you ever just paused and said, Lord, you were faithful to me back in the day, and you are faithful to me today. I'm going to build a memorial of stone in the middle of my of my trial, my tribulation, my situation. There is power when you pause and erect a memorial in the midst of your pain and what you're going through. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that that we're to, to lean on God with everything that we are, not on our own understanding, but in Him. And if we'll do that, that, that He will guide and direct our, ste- our steps. I just want to prophesy over your life just a little bit. You are in the middle of your contentment, your fulfillment, your promise, the process, your deliverance, your restoration, your blessing. Listen, you're closer today than you were last night. You are in the middle of something great, right in the middle. Joshua took stones from the Jordan and erected a monument in Gilgal. From Gilgal, by the way, they could see the walls of Jericho and they could see a pile of stones. The walls of Jericho represented what man could do. The stones, the memorial stones, represent what God can do. And how many recognize God can do so much more than we can do? Can you say amen? So we're going to overcome. Why? Because we're looking at a different pile of stones. I understand the walls of Jericho strong, established. Friends, God will use unorthodox, an unorthodox means to tear down the walls in our lives, to tear down the walls in our life. And that happens when we get our eyes off of the walls of Jericho and onto a different pile of stones, the monuments you reflect in the times in your life where many people thought it was over, even maybe you thought it was over. God said, it's not over. I'm just getting started. So I would exhort you, my brothers and my sisters in Christ, make your gaze toward another pile of stones the monuments that you have built over the course of your life. There's some of you here that your great-grandparents told you about some memorial stones. And I'm here to tell you, the stones that I have built because of the miracles of Almighty God in my life, I want to make sure my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, my great-great-grandchildren, my great-great-great-great-great-great-great till Jesus comes knows about the memorial stones that happened in this man's life. Prioritize the goodness of God. 
learn to see him in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your unanswered prayers. Know that God is working. Um, I want to close just a little bit differently than I normally do. I believe every single time that the enemy, the devil, would try to strike you, try to get your eyes off of this pile, this memorial, and on the walls of Jericho, that he would try to allow you to question your faith. Understand the same God that parted the Red Sea for Moses parted the Jordan River for Joshua. That he has not left you. He has not abandoned you. Learn to see him in every situation of life. And I felt real strong in in, in both services today. But some of the walls of Jericho deal with addiction. But some with prodigal children. And I, I feel like God's given me a, just an anointing to pray over prodigal children. And I want to do that right now. Would you bow your hearts before the Lord? Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you. Lord, we thank you for this miracle recorded in Scripture. We thank you for the miracle of the monument of stones that were erected because of your character and your goodness, your love and your concern for your people. And Father, we thank you that in a sovereign, supernatural way, the stones, the walls of Jericho fell. Lord, you have peculiar ways to tear down the walls in our lives. (laughs) Kind of started sometimes through the, the thunder God, sometimes just through the small, still voice, the whisper of God. And Father, I just feel in my spirit that there are some here that they're dealing with children, sons and daughters that are prodigals. Oh, Lord, they knew you at one time, but they're running, thinking that they can outrun you and hide from you. Lord, they'll never outrun you, nor will they ever hide from you. Lord, some of these, they've been dedicated to you as a baby, as a child. Holy Spirit, would you protect them Father, I pray that you would protect them even from themselves. That God, prodigals come home. And Lord, in Jesus' name, we're looking at the stones, the monuments of your faithfulness and goodness in our lives. And Lord, we're drawing faith. We're going to walk by faith, not by sight. And we thank you. We're going to build a memorial today. Mom, Dad, Grandma, Grandpa, we're going to build a memorial today right in the midst of our concern. We're going to build a memorial. My son, my daughter, they're going to come back and they're going to serve the Lord so that I can say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to build some stones in the midst of my addiction because it's God that brings freedom. I'm going to erect some stones today in the middle of what I'm going through in life. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? I want to close with this, my second final closing, I promise. Nothing disrupts 
all of hell itself, more so than when a child of God overcomes. When he fights you with warfare and you learn to establish the goodness of God and erect a stone in the middle of that warfare, don't you know it freaks out the enemy? When the enemy will try to bring seeds of dissension and you, you stand strong in the Word of God and say, I'm going to fight for the unity of my family and my church and my life. The enemy, he, he might try to destroy me, but I'm going to erect a stone in the midst of that and I'm going to declare the goodness of God and that I am an overcomer in the name of the Lord. Can you say amen? Nothing hmm, brings the heart of God more pleasure than to see his sons and his daughters overcoming. Two children, Bethany and Ryan. And it was such a joy to see them overcome. To see the peer pressure and in the midst of peer pressure stand on the Word of God. To see them overcome. How much more so does it bless the heart of our God when we overcome? We will overcome because we're looking at a different pile of stones. Can you say amen? Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. This concludes our series, Sticks and Stones. And if you miss one of the weeks, I'd encourage you to get on our website and watch it. They have been powerful. Will you bow your heads before the, and hearts before the Lord? Father, in Jesus' name, I, I want to thank you just for, to know that you are in the midst of sometimes or the pain that we endure. You're in the midst of every season. Life really is about seasons, and you're in the middle of every season. You're in the middle of every parent who's praying direction and, and what the child is going to do as far as a career. You're in the middle of that. Lord, you're in the middle of our marriages. You're in the middle of our finances. God, you're in the middle of our jobs. You're in the middle of everything we do. So, Lord, we thank you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not where I should be with the Lord. I'm not a Christian. I might be a good moral person, but I, I need to be born again. I need to be saved. I need to place my faith in the Lord. I, I'm not where I should be. Pastor, please pray for me. Can I see your hands all over the building? Would you just shoot them up high so I can see? I'm, I'm not where I should be with the Lord. I need Jesus to save me today. Is there anyone here today? God bless you. Lord bless you. God bless you. Lord bless you. Lord bless you. There's got to be somebody watching online, too. God wants to save you, to change you. In Jesus' name. I, I want to lead these wonderful people in a prayer that I learned from my spiritual father, Pastor E.E. E. Smith. But listen, to those who raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to pray this out loud with everything you got. But this church filled with wonderful people are going to pray right alongside you because we're not just a church to go to. We're a family to belong to. As a matter of fact, church, can we put our hands together? Can we just give these people a great big hand? They're going to make Jesus the Lord of their lives. Thank you, Lord. Would you please repeat this prayer out loud after me? Let's all pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today just as I am. Father, please forgive me for the mistakes that I've made, for the sin in my life. 
I'm sorry and I repent. Jesus, I believe you died on a cross, buried in a grave, rose from the dead on the third day, according to Scripture. Jesus, right now, come into my heart. Be my Savior and the Lord of my life. I place my faith in you. And I thank you for saving me, for forgiving me, and giving me a brand new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we put our hands together and welcome these beautiful people, family of God. My my third closing, and I'm done. Could I ask you to stand to your feet? And I, I want this to be very, very private. Because I know that the Holy Spirit of God is still working on you because He's still working on me. And He's working on us. And if there's something that the Holy Spirit has brought attention to your life that needs to be cut off, I just want you to surrender that to Him. One more time. Well, Pastor, I've surrendered it 100 times. Could it be that this is a day that God's going to sever that from your life? And I just want to pray over I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. Pray over you. Will you bow your hearts before the Lord? Father, Gilgal was such a significant place in the people of God. For that's where uh, the flesh was cut away. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would cut away the flesh today. The things that are keeping us from the fullness of God, the things that are breaking your heart, Lord. Lord, it's not about trying harder. It's just surrendering deeper. Father, we give that to you again. We ask for your deliverance. We ask for your mercy. We ask for your power. We declare we are overcomers. I might struggle a little bit, but I'm an overcomer because of the stones in my life that represent the memorials of the faithfulness of Almighty God. So, Lord, we surrender that to you. We receive your touch, your freedom. In Jesus' name. Every time the walls of Jericho try to rise in our lives, we would keep them down by looking at another pile of stones. In Jesus' name. Father, would you bless your people? I pray that this would be a thought-provoking message that we would talk about throughout the week and that you would talk to us throughout the week as well. Would you go with us, we pray. We leave this place as overcomers. In Jesus' name. Can we put our hands together?